Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. Here's a story for you, a story called Smelling God. It's happened The stores have changed their shelves from the orange, black, green, and purple of Halloween to the red, green, and white of Christmas. There's a few holdouts of Thanksgiving-themed decor here and there. But I have to be honest, I've already seen Christmas trees pop up in windows in my neighborhood, even as their jack-o'-lanterns wither away on the front porch. The seasons are changing, the holidays are coming, and one of the most festive things about the holidays, including Thanksgiving and Christmas, are the smells. Mm. We'll get to the sense of taste next week, but of course, smell and taste are very connected. So like whenever I recall the smells of certain foods, like cookies baking, homemade bread rising, and meat cooking— my mouth starts to salivate. And truth be told, my whole mind is transported to my parents' kitchen. The power of smell is that strong. When I think of the smell of Christmas cookies baking, I see the fruit wallpaper and coordinating backsplash of my parents' kitchen. I hear the 1980s or 1990s Sandy Patty Christmas CD playing. I know just how the slick linoleum feels under my feet. And I live for the taste of the chocolate peppermint cookies that only my mom and I make the right way. For many people, the connection between smell and memory is quite strong. And it's different from the connection between other senses and memory. Right? It can be arresting when the smell takes us back to a particular memory. I get this a lot in the hospital, or sometimes I feel like I catch a whiff of the friend's house that I used to go to all of the time when I was growing up. Or a certain perfume or cologne always makes me think of a particular person. In fact, my best friend from high school chose a particular scent of body lotion to take with her when she studied abroad because she wanted her memories to be connected with that scent. So whenever she smelled that body lotion, she would remember being in Europe. Now, of course, we all know that there are plenty of bad smells out there, too. Smells that make us groan, hold our noses run away, or even be sick. I've never been pregnant, but I've had enough pregnant friends and family members tell me stories about gagging at certain scents and forcing their partners to like eat broccoli on the other side of the house because they couldn't take it. Smell is what allowed my parents to find the last Easter egg one year. It was July, (laughs) and finally smell brought them to that rotting egg, kind of like that episode of Gilmore Girls where Kirk has hidden all of the eggs too well for their annual Easter egg hunt, and the whole town smells bad. Then there are the smells of faith, 
These scents are really contextual to how we were raised and in what faith traditions we grew up in. For me, the smell of strong red wine and the musty Christmas pageant costumes bring me back to the church of my childhood. But for others, it might be the scents of incense, perfumed candles, a particular type of flower, or their grandparents' cologne. The smells of summer, campfire, sunscreen, bug spray make me think of my times at church camp. So I imagine we each have different scents that we connect with faith. The sense of smell has a different sort of role in the Bible than the other senses that we've talked about so far. Jesus doesn't miraculously heal someone who has lost the sense of smell. Though I know in recent years, many of the folks who have COVID have prayed for that particular miracle. Truth be told, the scent of things isn't often described in the Bible. But the reality is that the overall scent of life would have been overwhelming in biblical times. I think the smell of people alone would be more than most modern noses could handle. There wasn't running water, no antiperspirant, and no Tide detergent to keep clothes clean. People were stinky, their clothes were stinky, the animals around them were stinky. The lack of running water also meant that human waste was not instantly whisked away. I think you're picking up what I'm putting down there. There were so many harsh smells that all of the good smelling stuff had to be that much more powerful in order to cover up all the stinky stuff. Burial spices would be slathered onto bodies of the dead to cover up the smell of rot. Perfumes were heavy on the wealthy to cover up the smell of sweat. Incense burned to make the air of holy places smell sweet and to smell better. I don't know that my nose could handle it all. I suppose that my nose would adjust eventually like it does now, but I think it would be really overwhelming for quite a long time. So in thinking about what story in the Bible had So keeping all of this in mind, I thought it would be fun to read together the Christmas story, right? Because we have such distinct sense that we connect with Christmas today, and it turns out there's really distinct sense that go with the first Christmas too. I've shared with you some of my sense of Christmas So I invite you now to just take a few moments to think about what your sense of Christmas are and keep them in your mind as we talk about the biblical Christmas stories. Yes, you heard me right there. I said stories. Jesus's birth is included in two of the Gospels, Matthew and Luke. So it's stories and not story. Both do share the same major characters. Mary is chosen to be the mother of Jesus. Joseph, Mary's fiancé, a carpenter, needs to decide if he's going to stick with Mary even though this baby isn't his. And of course, Jesus, the baby, son of God, is born in both. 
The location of Jesus's birth is also the same. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. However, some of these extra characters are different. The three magi only make an appearance in Matthew, and the shepherds only make an appearance in Luke. So every Christmas pageant that has both sets of those characters is a blending of these two stories. First, I'm going to read Luke's version of the Christmas story, and then we'll add in the Magi from Matthew 2. The scents are too strong in each for either to be left out. So here's Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 20 from the Common English Bible. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. The first enrollment occurred when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Jesus belonged to David's house and the family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage and who was pregnant. While they were there, The time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. Nearby, shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. The Lord's angel stood before them. The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, Don't be afraid. Look, I bring news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angels praising God. They said glory to God in heaven and on earth, peace to those whom God favors. When the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what happened. Let's confirm what the Lord has revealed to us. They went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they saw this, they reported what they had been told about this child. Everyone who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary committed these things to memory and considered them carefully. The shepherds returned home, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything happened just as they had been told. Nowhere in this reading are we told explicitly how anything or anyone smells. But I promise you, this is a scent-filled story. I'm going to read verse 7 again because this single sentence has so much scent in it. Mary gave birth to her firstborn child, a son, wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. 
there are at least three distinct categories of smells that I can imagine as part of this single sentence. First, there is the smell of birth. The beginning three words of the verse, Mary gave birth. I'm not talking about the hospital birth or even the home births that we have in the 21st century. You know the smell, you know the kind, the ones that are marked with antiseptics, properly bleached linens, and perhaps gentle aromatherapy. Mary's birth didn't have those things. Mary's birth would have been sweaty. The smells of bodily fluids would have been unmasked. The scent of any blood or excrement would have been in the air as well. Now, there would have been more fresh air moving through the space than most modern birthing places, so that may help to diffuse the smell some. But all of those very powerful and potent and bodily scents would have been present at some point in the process of giving birth to Jesus for some duration of time. Then the next category or sense are those that are attached to Mary's firstborn child, a son, Jesus. I know that I have thought and reflected on Jesus as a baby before, but I don't think I really thought about how he smelled before. So let's do that together. I know what a 21st century new baby smells like, and I don't know that Jesus would have had that or not. But he would have had his own smell, right? In the same way that each person has their own unique sort of smell. Jesus also would have done all of the normal baby bodily functions and would have made the smells that come along with those. I need y'all to brace yourselves because I'm going all in on this. This is what it means to have an incarnated Jesus, God in human form. Jesus burped burps was spit up that stunk up Mary's robes and hopefully Joseph's robes too. Jesus peed and pooped into cloth diapers and he probably missed sometimes or even blew them out at times. Jesus passed gas. Jesus broke wind. Yes, I'm going to say it. Jesus tooted baby toots. Okay, I really hope that you are still listening and that you haven't turned this off. I recognize that the humor of all of this is kind of ridiculous, but I hope you see the power in the truth of it as well. To believe in Jesus born as a human is also to accept that he did the human things too. Those smelly human bodily functions that we all at times try to deny, pass off, or blame on the dog. And speaking of dogs, there were also animals there at the birth of Jesus too. The middle part of the verse talks about the manger that Jesus is placed in. A manger is a feeding trough for animals. Mary and Joseph may have been in a stable like so many of the nativity scenes depict but it's more likely that they would have been on the first floor of a dwelling, which is where all of the animals slept at night in order to stay warm and be protected. So the birthing sense, the baby sense, would have also been blending with all of the animal sense. It may have truly smelled like a barn. 
Now, there's one more category of scent that comes later in Luke beyond just this single verse. The smell of the shepherds. The angels have come to these shepherds and tell them about the birth of Jesus. The shepherds go to see him and bring all of themselves with them, including their stink. Shepherds were not high society people. They worked outside with their sheep. They slept outside with their sheep. So they would smell like farmers who didn't have Old Spice. They would have smelled of sweat and dirt and the sheep themselves. Nevertheless, they showed up and they were welcomed by this family and spoke with the family. They weren't turned away. They were brought in. The power of this for me is that it reminds me that I too am brought in. Despite 21st century hygiene standards and my own preferences for cleanliness, there is nothing that I could smell like that Jesus would turn me away for. In fact, there's nothing that Jesus would turn me away for. Even the scent of death itself doesn't prevent Jesus from going to his friend Lazarus and bringing him back to life. Neither the scent of infection or illness, dirt or disease, sweat or stale breath is going to keep Jesus from me or from you or from anyone else. Jesus loves us, however we smell. So now that you've heard all of this, What do you think? Are any of these smells from the Gospel of Luke the smells that you think of when you think of Christmas? I don't know. Maybe. I think maybe the one that gets the closest to me is a new baby smell. You know, you've maybe had a Christmas too where there's been a new baby there and maybe you've even helped change a diaper. But other than that, I don't know that I would have experienced other of these smells at Christmas. They're very earthy, very human, very common, which is different from the smells that come with the Magi. And that's what we'll read about next. This is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, again from the Common English Bible. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea, during the rule of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. They asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all of the chief priests and the legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means are you least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search carefully for the child. When you found him, report to me, so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went, and look, the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them, until it stood over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling to their knees, they honored him. Then they opened their treasure chests and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. This story picks up later after Jesus has been born. While the Magi would have had human smells, they would have been more on par with Mary and Joseph. They weren't laborers in the same way that the shepherds were, so they wouldn't have been nearly as stinky. Though they did travel by animal, maybe by cannibal, so I guess some of those animal scents would have been there too. However, the scents that stick out to me the most from this reading are that of the gifts that the Magi bring. And these might be closer to what we think of as holiday scents. The Magi brought gifts worthy of a new king, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are expensive and valuable gifts. Now, I don't think that gold has a particular smell, but frankincense and myrrh both do. They are perfumes that can be used both on the body or as incense. And some people may have even used them for their medicinal properties. Now, I don't think I can describe these scents on my own, so I've turned to Google, and this is how Google describes these scents. Frankincense is earthy, woody, piney, or balsamic, and at the same time, soft, sweet, and citrusy. Then Google describes myrrh as woody, warm, aromatic, and pungent, and slightly medicinal. These scents point to both power and strength. Because of how they smell and also because of how they were viewed and used in society at the time. Jesus would have both power and strength in his adulthood, though not always in expected ways. These particular scents point more towards the divinity of Jesus. After all, Jesus was not only a human— He was also the Son of God. Therefore, to smell a newborn baby, to smell the scent of your own sweat, to smell perfume that sends a shiver of delight down your spine is to smell God. Smelling God is smelling the sense of creation, plants and creatures. Yes, even skunks. Smelling God is smelling people the healthy sense of sex, sweat from work, and regular bodily functions, and also the sense that mark illness and disease are ways that we encounter God. God is there too in people and places that make us want to plug our noses. As you turn towards holiday preparations for Thanksgiving and Christmas and any other holidays you may celebrate over the coming months, I hope you'll keep your nose open to the glorious and gag-inducing smells around you. When you catch a whiff of peppermint or pine, you can give thanks to God for the gift of smell. And when you flush the toilet, you can give thanks to God for a body that turns food into fuel. And you can remember the toots of baby Jesus, too. 
I invite you now to ground yourself in your senses and to give thanks for all of the ways you experience the world around you. Again, as you move through the five senses, if you don't experience one of them, I invite you to hold that space with some extra deep breaths. What are five things that you see? What are four things you feel? What are three things you hear? What are two things you smell? What is one thing you taste? I invite you to repeat after me. God, I thank you for my senses. Thank you for the gift of all that I sense now. Help me to sense you always. Amen. Prayer for smelling. Dear Jesus, when you were born into human form, you both smelled and smelled. Your body created odors just like ours. Your nose took in the sense of creation also just like ours. You know what it is like to salivate at the aroma of cooking food. Smile when you catch a whiff of spring flowers and gag at a stinky stench. We celebrate the ways that the sense of smell brings delight and desire into our lives. We show gratitude for the ways that the sense of smell warns us against harm and alerts us to disease. We give thanks for those who take care of our noses and tend to our allergies and other sicknesses that disrupt our sense of smell. Give us strength and endurance when smell is a barrier to us taking care of those in need. May we remember that you love each of us, however we smell. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. This week, I received a sound from Joanne. Let's listen together for how she heard God this week. 
if you couldn't tell, it's the crunch of leaves as she walks her dog. I loved getting this because I was thinking the same thing when I walked my dog that same morning. God is in the sound of crunching leaves, the rustling breeze, and of acorns plopping to the ground. Old life making room for new in the coming year. If you sensed God this week, I invite you to share it. This coming week will be our last Sensing God episode. You can email me at allplacestogether at gmail.com. That's A-L-L-P-L-A-C-E-S-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R at gmail.com. Depending on what is shared, I'll do my best to find the most effective way to share that story and experience with the wider APT community. Thank you to everyone who has been participating in All Places Together's first Bible group. Tomorrow is our last session. Now, if you've missed joining in on this one, don't worry. I'm working on plans for more discussion groups for 2023. If you've got something you want to learn about or talk about together, please let me know. Okay, y'all, I have got big news. I am thrilled to announce the next series of the podcast. It's a special collaboration with Pastor Katie Miles Wallace and Technicolor Ministries. You may remember meeting Pastor Katie here at APT on the Gender Expression episode earlier this year. The series is called Make the Yuletide Gay. It's the holidays in full color, and you're invited wherever, whoever, and however you are. All Places Together will be hosting a six-week podcast series, and Technicolor Ministries is hosting an online advent calendar. Y'all, I am so excited and grateful to share this with you. Whether you are part of the LGBTQIA community, a family member, a friend, an ally, or someone who is seeking to understand this community more, you will be encouraged, inspired, and experience God's radical love. More details to come on the social feeds this week. So be sure you're following us on Instagram or Facebook or both at All Places Together. I'm ever grateful to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and supporters like you who generously give to All Places Together. Your financial contributions enable this ministry to grow. If you've not made a gift before and you'd like to, you can give through our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says, Give Here. Click that button and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. We know it can be hard to give financially, so we celebrate all of the ways that you share the stories of APT with the people in your life and engage with our online community throughout the week. If someone in your life says something about a smell this week, I hope you'll consider recommending this episode to them. The smell of the coffee shop got them smiling. Emptying the diaper genie got them groaning. Dinner cooking got them drooling. I hope you'll say I've got an odd, festive, and faith-filled podcast recommendation for you. Until next time, remember that God loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.